Every day during this great and terrible pause, Cood Street is spending 10 minutes or so calling up readers and book lovers from around the world to ask them what they're reading, what they're working on, and how they're coping with these strange times. Today I'm joined by a genuine friend of the podcast, writer, novelist, journalist, podcaster, and two-time Hugo Award winner, Annalene Newitz, who joins me from somewhere in the wilds of California. Hello, Annalene. Hey, thanks for having me. How are you? How are you coping with these strange and terrible times? It's pretty weird. Um, I'm in San Francisco where we just a couple of days ago had no sun one day because of all the wildfires. Mm -hmm. It just um, sun didn't rise. Uh, The sky was completely dark orange all day long. And, you know, all of the days surrounding it have been incredibly smoky as well. I mean, none of the days have reached the kind of Blade Runner levels of of apocalyptic feeling as the orange day, the day of orange (laughs) darkness. Um, But, you know, I keep telling myself, oh, you know what? I'm just in a spaceship. You know, like I'll just go into the kitchen where like the window doesn't really look out onto anything. And so I can just sort of pretend like I'm in my little spaceship and I'm making my coffee and everything is fine. You know, (laughs) there's some dark void out there, but I'm sealed in. So that's my main coping mechanism right now. (laughs) Just pretending like I'm in outer space all the time. Because, you know, from from afar, it looks like you're sort of at Villeneuve Blade Runner, but you haven't reached Scott Blade Runner yet. That's right. Yeah, we don't have acid rain every day. So yeah, we're just at the at the phase of like ash blowing inexplicably through the air, um, which was very much oh, no. the, <laughs> the 2049 so version of Blade Runner. Yeah, <laughs> but it really amazingly does look like that. And someone took a drone uh, up mm. around San Francisco on the day when the air was this dark orange and set the resulting video to Blade Runner music. And it was, it almost made me cry, actually. I was like, oh, no, I'm living in the worst future. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it is better today. There actually the sun came out very, very briefly from behind the smoke cloud this morning. And it was pretty awesome. Uh, Well, let me ask you, how are you coping? I mean, are you able to, to read to work to focus? Or is it a fog? Uh, There's a little of both. Definitely. It's, you know, it, it, cuts into my productivity because I'm distracted by checking the air quality and checking whether we need to evacuate and checking in on friends and things like that. But I'm finding that it's very helpful to be reading or writing anything that's extremely escapist. Um, You know, I'm really looking for anything that's going to take me out of a dark frame of mind. Um, So I think some people cope with dystopia by by kind of inhaling more dystopian writing. Um, But uh, no, I'm I'm reading any anything that will be like I just read um, P. Jolly Clark's new novella, um, Mm -hmm. which is called Ring Shout. Um, which is, it's a, he's such a fantastic writer. I'm a big fan. And it's a piece that's set in the 1920s. And it's about a group of sort of swashbuckling, uh, a group of, they're, they're a swashbuckling group of um, Creole folks and, you know, just regular people who are Black and Indigenous. And they're fighting against 
the supernatural version of the KKK. So it's got a lot of realism in it. Um, and Clark is himself a historian. So he has a lot of really like granular historical detail. And it's a dark setting. But the characters mm-hmm. are so funny and quippy and have these delightful relationships with each other. And um, it feels like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, um, you know, meets Get Out or something. Um, (laughs) And it's just, it was so delightful. It was like, I love a hero who is, you know, a little bit dark, but still basically just trying to do good. And that's exactly what you get in that story. So that was very happy and satisfying for me. Um, So I've been trying to read a lot of uh, stories in that vein, that even if they're dark, Mm -hmm. they have like delightful heroes. And um, I'm working on a novel right now that's also very escapist and it's set like 50,000 years in the future. And um, so I've been kind of escaping into that world uh, where they're terraforming another planet. So they haven't yet had any kind of environmental collapse or (laughs) (laughs) runaway wildfires or pandemics. Um, and, uh, I mean, they're coping with lots of problems, but I have a lot of chances to just describe like beautiful landscapes that are inhabited entirely by non-human animals and plants. And, um, so I, I do, I spend a lot of time with my head in this other, on this other planet, basically. So let me ask you, obviously you've been reading, you know, the, you know, PJ Clark's novella, which is sort of historical from the sounds of it. And if not escapist is at least uh, encouraging. Is that the main tone you're looking for in the stuff you're reading right now? Yeah, I think so. Um, for me, hope always needs to come with some kind of adversity in order for me to believe in it. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, something that's, you know, purely sort of, um, you know, well, everything turned out great in the end um, doesn't doesn't really work for me. I like to see characters who are who are struggling a little bit. But um, yeah, so I'm looking for anything that is reassuring about, um, you know, how humans can come together despite terrible odds or not even just humans like of course like a lot of people um i love the murder bot series um by martha mm-hmm. wells and i find that's kind of similar to um clark's work only in the sense not not in terms of tone but only in the sense that these are characters who are dealing with really difficult systemic problems and yet they still manage to come up with ways to um overcome it with both humor and with um you know, smarts. And um, so that I I find lovely. And I think um, Becky Chambers work is also another great example of that kind of tone where you just kind of have most of her work. I mean, not not all of her work, but a lot of it is, again, it's these characters who who you love and who manage to survive and and form friendships despite everything. So do you find that that's the tone that you're looking for more than anything? A a plausible hopefulness and possibly even trying to bring into your own work? For sure. Yeah. I mean, that is what I definitely try to bring into my work is plausible hopefulness is, is a good one, um, is, a, is a good way of putting it. Um, you know, I sometimes call it uh, pragmatic optimism where, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, you know, we're not happy about everything. We don't try to pretend that one day humans will no longer have war and no longer have bias, but we figure out ways to try to achieve a, a more just world or a more just outcome for whatever scenario the characters are in. So, yeah. So the tone I'm looking for is something that um, 
for me, it feels like realism or naturalism, but uh, with, you know, some, um, some sense that, that we can set things right. And uh, so I, I always like a world that feels kind of like rusty and lived in, you know, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. want it to be like a, a shiny, uh, you know, well buffed kind of world. <laughs> um, I, I want it to feel, you know, I want it to be like, the barnyard of the future and, you know, how are we going to fix this barnyard in the future and how, or how are we going to fix this space barnyard? Um, I, I'm not sure if that works as a, <laughs> as a metaphor, but, um, you know, it, I want it to be um, something like that. And, and I like stories that have kind of a, are kind of humble in scope in the sense that mm-hmm. you know, we don't have to be saving the entire world. Maybe we could just like save a family or save a neighborhood. Um, and, and so I think that that kind of stuff is appealing to me too, like stuff that's kind of more small scale. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, it's fun to save the world too. I'm watching Umbrella Academy where, you know, it's really <laughs> about saving a family, but like, there's always the world at stake, you know, we might blow up the whole world. And it's kind of, it's sort of, it's like, is it possible for the apocalypse to be a MacGuffin? Because it kind of is in that show. Um, and, you know, cause it, in the end, like what you're really rooting for is that they'll yeah. just wind up working out their problems and, and figure out how to be friends. So what was the, was the attraction of going 50,000 years into the future, the attraction of being able to step away from what are frankly a whole bunch of almost impenetrably difficult seeming problems, or was it just a, a simple matter of a clean slate? Well, it's not a clean slate. Um, this okay. is uh, in the in the future. Um, this is for a novel called The Terraformers, which is going to be coming out from Tor um, when I'm done, <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, hopefully sooner rather than later. And I and it's so it's a it's another planet that's being terraformed by um, you know people who all hail from Earth. They're they're basically humans or modified humans. Um, there's there's sort of non-human civilizations out there, but we don't really hear about them. And the planet is being terraformed by a real estate corporation. And so there's all the problems that you get with um, issues around um, what does it mean to lay claim to land? Who who really owns the land? Um, and later in the book, there's going to be issues around gentrification once people actually start living on the planet and it's all terraformed. Um, but what I wanted to do was just have a post-human uh, palette, if that makes sense, yeah. to kind of go into Ian M. Banks territory and just have, you know, people who have control over matter and can genetically engineer a new body. Uh, I think all of that stuff is really fun. And for me, what's what's fun about it is being able to imagine a far future for environmental science. And so, for example, mm-hmm. I have a character who's, she's kind of a, an ecosystem detective um, as they're developing yeah. the, the ecology on this planet. Um, sometimes an ecosystem will just crash and nobody can figure out why, like, why does it keep, why, why is it not sustainable? Why do predators keep eating all the prey species or why does this one plant keep, you know, taking up all of the territory and, and choking off all the other plants. So she has uh, this detective character has all of these um, implants that allow her to basically reach out with her consciousness to all of these sensors in the environment and kind of feel what's happening in, in the trees and in the soil and with all of the different species that are living in the food web 
and kind of figure out how to tweak it. And I just love that idea of a person who, through technology and through biotechnology, would be able to actually not in a dumb avatar type way, <laughs> uh, avatar, the, <laughs> avatar the, the anime, um, that she can kind of interface with her, her natural environment. Um, and I, it's, it's, you know, it's something that I think a lot of us who care about the environment wish we had now, because it would allow people to be more empathetic to what's happening to other species and what's happening to plants and things like that. So um, it's it's really a chance to play with far future technology. And of course, for me, far future technology always looks like nature. So it's like, how do you rebuild nature? And what that means is there's a lot of characters who are talking non-human animals. So there's like a main yeah. character who's a moose. Um, there's going to be a talking cat later on that becomes a major character. And there's robots who are human equivalent. And so it's kind of like a Disney movie in the sense that like, <laughs> if anything can, because anything literally can have consciousness. Like there's a character who's a door. That's just yeah. what she is. She's, you know, a, uh, an artificial intelligence who lives indoors and she's got a pretty bad temper. So you really need to stay on her good side if you want to actually get through the door. Um, so it's, it's, uh, that's the part that's escapist for me is like, it allows me to create almost like an animistic world. Well, the Terraformers must be a year or two away for readers. The it next is. thing out that I'm aware of from you is the paperback release of your 2019 novel, the future of another timeline, which must feel like it was almost written in another timeline now. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Although one thing that I I don't know if I should say I'm patting myself on the head about, but um, <laughs> a lot of the action is set uh, in 2022 and the characters are constantly dealing with wildfires in California. Um, and there's a lot of moments where they're kind of talking about how the sky is red with, with uh, smoke from the fire. So I was like, well, at least I got that right about the near future. Um, so that's coming in October and uh, there's yeah. a new paperback cover, which is a text cover. It looks really cool. Um, and is. then in, yeah. And then in February, I have my next nonfiction book coming out, um, which mm -hmm. is a book about archaeology. And that's called Four Lost Cities, A Secret History of the Urban Age. And it's just what it says on the label. It's a it's a deep dive into the life and death of four major ancient cities. And it's it's about why people abandoned those cities, but also mm -hmm. why they lived there, what made those cities so attractive and so powerful and important thousands of years ago. So um, that was really fun for me to take a break from science fiction and actually delve into the science side of my world building obsessions around cities. Well, I was going to say, I mean, that is the, if, if not the dichotomy for you and for science fiction at large, but certainly a dichotomy is that joining of science, and you've got a long history of science, journalism and passion for science with fiction. Does that still uh, uh, continue to be something that inspires and engages you? It sounds like it does. It absolutely does. I mean, I think um, we often make fun of science fiction writers who will read a science article or a science paper, and then suddenly they decide, oh, I have to write a whole story about this. But that's me. <laughs> I do that for sure. And um, I often start my science fiction with, reading scientific journals or I, or I get like the seed of an idea from um, 
from a piece of journalism that I've done. So it's, you know, I'm just cheating by copying the real world. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) the existing edition of the Future of Another Timeline is out in the world right now, and a bright brand spanking new edition will be out in about three weeks from the moment we're talking, I believe. That's right. And of course, your wonderful two-time Hugo Award-winning award-winning podcast that you do with Charlie Jane Andrews, Our Opinions Are Correct, comes out every two weeks. Congratulations mm-hmm. on the Hugo, by the way. We didn't Thank get to see so each much. other or in, in, in New Zealand due to sad circumstances. Yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully in a couple of years, we'll be back yeah. in the same physical room without having to like wrap ourselves in some kind of weird barrier. <laughs> yeah, I keep I keep hoping you know, at one point it was Montreal for World Fantasy in November of 2021, but that now that now feels far too optimistic, I think sort of sometime down the road. Yeah, I hope so. I hope by the end of 2021 we can start moving around a little bit, but yeah, it doesn't especially here in the states. Um we really borked this one, so I don't know when we're going to be allowed to leave our country. <laughs> All of the civilized nations of the world are are not interested in bringing us in and I can't blame them. I mean, it's, you know, it's a mess here. Uh, well, until such times as we do cross paths again, thank you so much for making time to talk to me tomorrow this morning. I genuinely appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on and have a great day. <laughs>